raise a spoon to Grandma, who always took all the hungry cousins to McDonald's for McNuggets and the Play Play Slide. Have something sweet in her honor. Come to McDonald's and treat yourself to the Grandma McFlurry today. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. And participate in McDonald's for a limited time. Only on Sports Radio 92.7 FM WFNZ. Straight fire. This is the Wesson Walker Show. Even the crowd knows what's coming next. Dance puppets, dance. The NBA universe revolves around the Charlotte Hornets and the news does not stop. We're going to be talking all about it today on Wesson Walker from 12 to 3 p.m. Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ. We can't catch our breath. Not only did we have before the Jake Fisher report, by the way, in the getting off the bus segment on the rundown, it reads as this tons of news surrounding the Hornets. What's the biggest storyline? Is it Mark Williams getting surgery? Is it Scoot Henderson killing his workout? Is it Miles Bridges with the back soon tweet? Is it the Pelicans and Wizards trade possibilities with stars like Zion Williamson, Bradley Beal, Brandon Ingram? Oh, wait, no. Now it's Jake Fisher who comes in, rips it and says, give me that main headline. (laughs) Scoot Henderson, Brandon Miller, both reportedly going to visit Charlotte next week for final interviews with not Mitch Kupchak, not Buzz Peterson, who has a lot of pull within that organization, not Steve Clifford. It's the big dog. And I'm not talking Glenn Robinson. It's Michael Jordan, Wes. Both these prospects going to be meeting one final time with MJ, and we'll see who he gives the stamp of approval to. What do you make of the latest update coming in within the last 30 minutes? Well, one thing is I want to know is, did you get the dance, puppets dance from Jeffrey Fresh Prince? Is that where you got it? Honestly, no. I don't know where I got it from. I, I've been, I will bring that out every now and then if I feel I like know, it. No, I love it. And it always makes me laugh because I think about the episode of Fresh Prince when Jeffrey did say Maybe that. I got it because I watched a lot of Fresh Prince reruns. Maybe most so maybe underrated just... supporting actor no, ever. Jeffrey. Oh, Jeffrey gee. was, he brought the humor every time. Are you trying to bring out a theme question right maybe off the so. rip? Saying maybe who so. are the best supporting actors in sitcom <laughs> yes. history? Yes. It's a no great doubt. theme Jeffrey question. Jeffrey was great. But uh, as far as this goes, I mean, with Michael Jordan's track record, record of picking players are we sure that we're thrilled about this that he's uh getting a, a final look see at these guys as you say that this happens a lot by the way as you say that we get a text from a 704 number yes mj picking our talent all caps what could go wrong right <laughs> look right i mean he's got to sign off on it though there are there are some defenses of mj because any owner is going to have to sign off on a big old draft selection just like david tepper was going to have to sign off on anything with the number one overall pick but yeah you're right i'm not going to get mad at you i'm not going to question you if you are someone that's worried about michael jordan having the final say on whoever the selection is going to be we got a lot of news to get to why waste any more time let's pull up to the scene and troppy if you don't mind mr bus driver open up the doors let's get off the bus we look good getting off the bus. I got something to say. Damn! Kick it! I can feel it! So Scoot Henderson and Brandon Miller are going to be the final two. The Charlotte Hornets have conducted a process that I think did a very good job of doing their due diligence. They brought in the Thompson twins, who are talented guys. Amen Thompson immediately walks into the NBA as a top 1% athlete. Absolutely stupid. 
Scoot Henderson, he's a also very good athlete. Yes. So they're going to work him out. Brandon Miller, elite shooter, best college basketball player throughout the regular season last year. You got to make sure you pay attention to all of them. But now it's between two, and it was always going to come down between mm-hmm. these two, as we've had this debate time and time again ever since the Hornets got the number two pick in the NBA draft lottery. So it's between Brandon, it's between Scoot. Wes, what do you think the storyline is going to be coming from these interviews conducted with both these high-profile prospects between both uh, between these guys and the owner, Michael Jordan? Well, you've been hearing about Brandon Miller not doing so great at interviews, and you've been hearing all about the maturity of Scoot Henderson, the different things that are on his mind. We've heard about how he is interested in the process of Michael Jordan potentially selling the team, and he seems like a guy aligning his brand with Steph Curry already, saying that he can help him with some things and different endeavors that he has on his mind. So he strikes you as a kid that's mature beyond his years and thinking about himself as a brand and trying to make himself into one of those NBA brand type of players. So I think it's going to play out that way. Now, I'm not saying that Brandon Miller is going to have a bad interview, but I just think that Scoot Henderson is going to come across as a very mature, business-like kid who's uh, very, very focused in what he wants for himself. And I think Brandon Miller... I'm going to give him the benefit of the doubt and say that he'll do well for himself, too. But I just think Scoot will be the more impressive young man just because of everything you hear up to this point. He just seems like he has a mind that's beyond that of his age. Yeah, 5 for 12. Damn, I said that good. I got to give myself credit right there. Why? What would you say? I I'm, just thought that was big. It just, I just thought it flowed so well. I did pat myself on the back. Well, <laughs> <laughs> your take flowed so well that you had to stop the flow going to me to acknowledge how good the flow was initially. Yeah, I had to. Um, okay. <laughs> uh, great flow, and then it stops immediately like the Hoover Dam. Here's 5 for 12 writing in. Scoot seems to be the kind of player that MJ would like. Uh, And for once, this might work out well if MJ has any kind of say in selecting Scoot Henderson or Brandon Miller. With the interview stuff, you see all of these interviews. You've seen these reports that apparently he's not doing well. Clearly, there's not a bigger fan of Scoot Henderson than me. Yeah, There's a big old Scoot contingency out there. I know Mac and Bone, they're much, they're, what are they, men of Scoot, Shroppy? That's what they keep calling themselves. Men of Scoot, yeah. (laughs) Men of Scoot. Yes, uh, I am solidly on that bandwagon as well. I don't love holding interviews against guys. Sure, you have to take that into consideration. And maybe I'm speaking out of both sides of my mouth when I love the fact that Scoot Henderson is killing these interviews. But we can remember a time when LaMelo Ball reportedly was not doing well in interviews. And he was, at least his rookie season, clearly the best pick out of that draft. Anthony Edwards would come out and play very well, too. Perhaps a lot of people would go for him instead of LaMelo. LaMelo is already an all-star at the young age that that he is. So even with him not doing great at interviews, he still is a good player. I do like the fact that Scoot Henderson is knocking these things out of the park. And we see it publicly. It's not like all of the reports that we get, all of the intel that Scoot is doing such a good job speaking face-to-face with high-up execs. We actually see it in front of the camera. We see him uh, speak at Portland's workout. We see him speak at the Combine. He's welcoming everything like that. He's speaking with Malika Andrews and Zach Lowe and telling you how he's working out with Steph Curry and how Damian Lillard, he's got a partnership with him if he goes to Portland, how maybe he could help out Dame. The confidence is oozing out of him in Definitely. every single way. How much do you? How much stock do you put into the kind of confidence that Scoot might bring? I put into it a lot because you know they always talk about how mental sports are 
And so for a kid to come in like that and already have that type of belief in himself and then you see it on the court as far as just what he's able to do, what you feel like potentially he can do. But the confidence definitely is going to be a big factor in the player that he will be very early on in the player that he becomes. So I think it's fantastic when you got a kid that's not afraid to step amongst the big dogs and let you know, hey, I'm here too, and I'm here and I mean business. Um, so we have we had Jake Fisher on last week. He was great, and he just continues to gather more information. And apparently it's really hard to try to figure out who the Hornets want at number two between Brandon Miller and Scoot Henderson. Sam Vecini just released an Intel-based mock draft. He's one of the best draft evaluators in the business. And he said the Hornets have conducted a very professional process throughout all of this, which is also good to see competence with that Hornets organization. And there's nothing to suggest that they've run anything other than a competent process here. Wes, the more you dig deeper into all of this, teams are wanting to trade up for Scoot Henderson. New Orleans is one. Now the Wizards, they're reportedly wanting to move up in the NBA draft. It's not for who, so we don't know if it's for Scoot or Brandon, but we know that we haven't seen anybody want to move up the draft for Brandon Miller. But now even Jake Fisher in this write-up that was just dropped talks about the Houston Rockets at number four. The Rockets have also attempted to bring G League Ignite guard Scoot Henderson to Houston for a pre-draft visit albeit so far to no success. Moving up to land Henderson would also seem counterintuitive to any designs on netting James Harden, if that NBA rumor is still true. Remember all of the reports. Why do they want him back? Well, James Harden wants to go to Houston. And so, and Tillman Fertitta, their owner, he needs some money. And so he's (laughs) going to sell some seats if James Harden goes back to the Houston Rockets organization. Some other intel from Jake Fisher on Scoot, by the way. He talks about how he boasts the explosiveness. He's got the athletic build, things that you've heard of all the time. But he also says Henderson measures just under 6'4 in shoes during visits with Portland and Charlotte. Oh, look at that. He's growing. Look at that. He's growing. Our boy is growing up. Oh, yeah. All I need, every single inch he grows with his overall height. Let me put that caveat on it before Josh comes in here and makes a joke. Every inch he gets taller, the more this needs to go ahead and be the pick. That's, that's a nice I, bit of news, though, for him. It is. I can't wait till he's six six. Last by time I checked, they don't play barefoot. They don't. So you have to play in shoes, and he's going <laughs> to be right at six four. Love to see it. Um, we also have plenty of other news uh, to get to here regarding the Charlotte Hornets as well. I'll just ask you real quickly: biggest headline that's come out about the Hornets really within like the last twenty four hours? Oh man, that's uh. So so let me let oh, me set ahead. the table for everybody. Yes. You're good. Mark Williams having surgery on a torn ligament in his thumb. Scoot Henderson workout. All of this stuff that we're talking about right now. Miles Bridges tweeting back with two emojis. Back soon. Or is it the Pelicans and the Wizards possibility? You tell me, which one of those do you think is the biggest storyline here? Uh, I think the biggest storyline of the last 24 hours would have to be Miles' tweet uh, saying back soon. I think I agree. Everybody's speculating on what that could mean. Does that mean he's going to be back with the Hornets soon? Does that mean he's going to be with another team soon? So uh, more than likely, it means the Hornets. And for him to come out of nowhere and to drop this, I think definitely has everyone on the edge of their seats. All right, let's 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 get some of your text. I want your thoughts. I want your comments. You can do so by texting us at 704-570-9610, 704-570-9610. We'll talk more about the NBA draft. We have plenty of Carolina Panthers audio to comb through as well. You're listening to Wesson Walker Sports Radio, 92.7 WFNZ.
raise a spoon to Grandma, who always took all the hungry cousins to McDonald's for McNuggets and the Play Play Slide. Have something sweet in her honor. Come to McDonald's and treat yourself to the Grandma McFlurry today. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. And participate in McDonald's for a limited time. Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love, hanging with friends who lift you up, and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between. What do you make of all the storylines surrounding the Charlotte Hornets? We want to hear from you. Text us, 704-570-9610. 704 number wrote in, if we draft Scoot, should we fire Steve Clifford and bring in an offensive coach? They wrote in offense of coach is what they wrote in, but I'm going to guess they meant offensive. <laughs> um, what do you think about Steve Clifford? Is it a done deal that he's going to be back coaching this team next year? Because I already feel like we've passed the possibility yeah. of firing I mean, him. why would you do it now? And yeah. all the coaches have been snatched up. I mean, of course, you could always go get somebody, some new blood or something like that that may be sitting there that would take the job. But at this point, it wouldn't make sense to me if you were going to make the move. I think at the latest, if you were going to make the move, you should have done it once you found out you got the number two pick. And the only reason it would happen now is if Michael Jordan sold a majority stake, new ownership comes in, they decide they want a different head coach, even though it would still be very late in the offseason. That would be the only reason I see that happening. But if it's if it's Michael still being majority owner going into the regular season, Steve Clifford is going to be the head coach for sure. Another 704 number. They came up with a good idea. Find a way to trade for the number three pick. Then you can draft both Scoot Henderson at two and Brandon Miller at number three. So I have not seen that take before. I don't even know how you'd do it. You I, would have to put together a hell of a package, I guess, with your 27th pick, some future first rounders, and then... So you would. So if Portland is number three, they would want to win now. If you were to hold on to the number two pick, so they keep Dame, then you have to trade... Miles Bridges, you have to do a sign and trade with both he and PJ Washington first round picks. I like it though. That would settle the debate. We could just all <laughs> sing Kumbaya with both those guys in a Hornets From uniform. Mello Miller and Scoot Henderson would be your big three. It'd, it'd be intriguing. Oh, it'd be to fun say to say the least. It's not gonna happen, but it'd be fun. Yeah. yeah, for sure. AJ wrote in and included a picture. Here's Scoot being guarded by the other two guards next year. And it's a picture of Gary Payton guarding Lil Bow Wow in the movie like Mike. <laughs> Calvin we, Cambridge, if you will. Do we know if that's AJ from promotions or is that just a random AJ? I don't know. You could do some shroppy sleuth work and find out. Oh, yeah, you already know. Shroppy the sleuth. Yeah, there's a segment. Fire. Stealthy shroppy. Yeah. <laughs> oh, we need shrop. That's your goal. If He just called himself a dynamic producer when you were out of the room. Oh. And so if he's dynamic... Even if he's not on the ones and twos when Fiddy comes back in here, that's your homework, Shrop. I need you to create some kind of fun ex uh, segment okay. where we would have Stealthy Shroppy appear. Maybe we could do that once every two weeks. I don't even know. We could try to figure it out. Uh, let's go to some more text. Um, Brian wrote in when Wes was feeling himself after one of the points that he made in the first segment. <laughs> Brian said, that flow stopped like the ball went to Carmelo Anthony or Julius Randle. Boom. 
Yeah, just not moving the yeah. ball anymore. You're not getting a rock. I'm getting to the hole, and I'm going to get this thing. <laughs> it is not AJ from promotion. Okay, there you go. Uh, great. So that was quick. We got our own Jake Fisher finding stuff out, getting intel. Wolfpack James, final one. Wolfpack James wrote in, wrote in, Walker, how do you feel about drafting Scoot, trading Terry for OG Ananobi? Toronto might lose Van Vliet this offseason and might be looking for a replacement. I like OG. You don't love it, OG. Yeah, oh, man. But I, mean, I would, but I don't think they would do that for Terry. OG and Anobi would call for a lot of assets. In fact, if you go back to what they were asking for at the deadline, it was like two first-rounders, yeah. and you know, even if they're protected, you were getting a decent amount of assets because they like somebody that can handle it a little bit on the wing, shoot, one of the better defenders in the league. He's valuable. I know you don't love him, but at least other scouts. He's a solid player. He's just not moving the needle for me. You come telling me you gave up all that to get OG and an OB. I'm not sitting there like, oh, man, that's dope. I'm going to be like, oh. Okay. <laughs> it, would be, it would not be a regular Yeah, I've never watched him play and just been like, ooh. Yeah. I mean, he would be good. He, he just does a lot of the he'll connect. He'll help you out in the half court. He'll bail you out with a three-point shot. Yeah. He's going to defend the opponent's best player and do a pretty good job. Yeah, nice, solid player. I like OG. Um, is he limited? Is that what you would say? I wouldn't say he's limited. He's okay. just boring. <laughs> oh, no. I'm not doing this. <laughs> I'm not getting in this debate with you. Jimmy Butler Jr.? Oh, I mean, I'm... he comes in 16 a game. He's going to guard the other team's best player. Fine and dandy. Mm-hmm. I want... Sauce in the city, okay? I want to go see guys that I'm excited to watch that's going to make me go out of my way to turn on my TV or buy a ticket for the game. I'm not doing that for OG Ananobi. You need I'm to sorry. get on board, man. Saucy Scoop. I'm that's like, what... Bryce, let's go check out OG Ananobi. He'd be like, who? <laughs> it's a sick name, though. Scoop. It sounds like a Star Wars character. <laughs> it Ananobi. It does. Yeah. Think I guess because of Obi-Wan. Can... Right. These are not the players you're looking for. Yeah. <laughs> I would love OG and Scoot and Mello. It would be the all-name team. I would love to have it. If you like sauce, then you like Scoot. Saucy Scoot, and that's a hot sauce right now. We can endorse that. We need to make that. All right, let's go to the Carolina Panthers because they are hosting practices right now close to Bank of America Stadium. Bryce Young out there. Frank Reich continues to speak to media. He spoke to media Tuesday. Here he is speaking to media on Wednesday. Let's break down a few of these Frank Reich sound bites. Um, here he is just talking about David Tepper and how much he really likes the staff. He was talking about David Tepper's role in all of this, saying, Mr. Tepper, uh, he really helped us put all this together. You know, Mr. Tepper, you know, did a great job of, you know, helping us to secure the staff that we have. But we got to be at our best. And, hey, it's a player's game. I've always said that. But I think we put together a good coaching staff. And, you know, I've asked these guys, we got to figure out how to win. Right. We, we, we like our players. We like our roster. It's our job to put those players in the best position possible. We had a chance to get to know them a little bit better over the last few weeks. And so now let's make our adjustments. Let's really hone in on what we want to do with who and how we're going to do it and um, come back ready to go. All positive vibes coming out from Panthers OTAs, minicamp, training camp mm-hmm. schedule just dropped, by the way. We can get to that in just a moment. 
it doesn't feel like we've had this many positive outlooks or this kind of positive vibe surrounding the Panthers in quite some time. What do you make of all of the kumbaya stuff to reference it a second time, Wes? What do you feel about all of this within the Carolina Panthers organization? Yeah, I mean, it's hard to go against it. You kind of feel like, well, what else would they say? Would they come on and say, man, camp is just miserable. We hate each other. Like, we just can't stand being around each other. No, that's not going to happen. But I think that when you put everything in totality and you look at the offseason and, and all the big moves that were made and then the type of quarterback they brought in. And I think that's the biggest thing that makes me connect with this is the type of quarterback that they brought in. I think when you have Bryce around, a guy like that, everything we've seen so far, the vibes are going to be good because the teams, obviously, they take on the personality of their head coach, but also the quarterback. And I think they've got a guy who the demeanor is always going to be level. He's never going to be... Uh, shaken up. He's never going to get too nervous to where he's not going to do his job well. And I think it is taking the the, the personality of the quarterback and the head coach. So I, I, I buy into this. I think that there's a lot of optimism around this team that they are excited about what they have and what they can do because there's so much new. And I think that's the biggest thing. There's There's not much remaining from the old regime. This is a brand new coaching staff for the most part. Uh, a lot of new parts at key positions. So guys are very optimistic. They can't wait to get out there and see what they can do with all of the newness. You, you brought up Bryce Young. We can get to some of his audio in just a moment. But Frank Reich, he spoke about Bryce too. Not only just how well he's coming along, but also we saw Bryce earlier this offseason correct a play that was wrong in the play sheet. Yes. And then here's Frank Reich talking about him actually leading the charge with getting guys together and creating throwing sessions with one another. Here's Frank Reich on the leadership that Bryce Young is already displaying. I think they're great. You know, I don't think you need a million of them, but I think a couple of them are, are good. You know, it's just good to get together. Um, I think it's good for the guys. I think there's camaraderie that's built. You know, you get away from here, it's relaxed. You go out to, you know, you just do the whole thing. So, um, yeah, we... we Glad to hear that. Doesn't surprise me that, you know, Bryce is going to lead that effort, and I'm sure the guys will make the most of it. You love to hear it, man. Look, Bryce Young showing this kind of leadership, it's definitely not a bad thing. It doesn't mean that other processes from other quarterbacks is a bad thing. Maybe those guys aren't coming up with throwing sessions, leading, hey, leading the charge on let's all get together, let's work on routes, let's work on whatever the playbook is, let's do all of that. Maybe some other QBs are are going about their business in different ways. But for all of the people that want their quarterback to do nothing but read the playbook constantly, that their idea of fun is skipping out on date night, staying at home watching film, for all of the people that want their QB to do nothing other than take in a smorgasbord of football terminology, Bryce Young is your QB. Bryce Young is the guy. And, I mean, you have to just be really, really excited about that. Uh, I think that's going to permeate, permeate throughout the team and the offense because we've heard this about other quarterbacks as well, the Tom Brady's, the Peyton Manning's, the Drew Brees's, And their offenses all took shape because they were so locked in with what they were doing and you better be as well. I had a teammate that I played with at Wake Forest, my man Steve Vallos. He played with Peyton Manning, and he said if you came stepping out to walkthroughs or to practice and didn't know your ish, the deputy 
was going to get on your case <laughs> big time. And it wasn't going to be pleasant. It wasn't going to be nice. He said Peyton Manning would get on that behind. And so I think Bryce Young, I think that's not a part of his personality to get on you hard. But he's the type of guy that his personality will have a reverse effect on you. I think guys will feel guilty if they're not as prepared as he is. It's like that disappointment from a parent. They're going to come out there, not know what they're doing. Knowing Bryce knows everything, you come back to them like, dang. Bryce. That's always the worst. When it's like, I'm not mad. I'm just right, disappointed. Right. You're like, you oh. come back to Bryce. You're like, dang, man, my bad. I'm, I'm, I'm going to get on it tonight, though. I'm going to get out. I'm, no club tonight. And Bryce doesn't say anything to you. Yeah. He just raises his eyebrow He's and like, walks okay, away. Right. You'd rather him just destroy you, yeah. just verbally abuse you. But instead, he just looks you up he'll and down and walks tell you away. Like, no, he'll, no, I could see him saying something like, I, I believe in you, man. I, I got you. Oh, it, good. It, 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 good. It, you're right. And it kills you even more. You know there's no way you're going to the club. You're going straight home after practice, straight to the film. Tell the kids, I can't do it tonight. Bryce was disappointed in me. So I think that that's, uh, I think that that's a huge part of his personality as well. And I think that's what happens when you have a guy. Because not only you step out, I think he's going to be one of, if not their best player, but he's certainly going to be one of them. And when you have the quarterback working like that, you better know you better get your stuff. Because also – He's going to want to play with guys who prepare like he does. And if you're not in line with what he's doing, we'll get you out of here. I mean, it is short King season here in Charlotte, especially if they go <laughs> ahead and put a cherry on top of this Sunday and draft Scoot number two. Yeah. Because as we talk about Scoot killing interviews, Bryce Young did the same thing. All we heard was about when they asked him, what is your daily routine? And by minute 30, he was only at 12 o'clock in his daily routine. Thomas Brown, everybody's like, okay, all right, we got it. You're thorough. Cool. That's all great. Here you are discussing accountability, how players are going to be accountable for themselves. Bryce Young talked about that. Not only can he be the leader on that front, but everybody else, he's making sure that you take care of yours to make sure that also everybody else benefits from you holding yourself accountable. Everybody else is doing all of this. Here's Bryce Young talking about that yesterday. I think from what I've been able to observe is, you know, we, we rely on each other and lean on each other to pick each other up. And I think it's great because we all have a, a group in a locker room that holds each other, uh, that, you know, we hold ourselves accountable. You know, if, you know, when, when we mess up or, you know, we don't do things the right way, you know, I think it's great to see we're the first people, you know, to, to be hard on ourselves, to hold ourselves accountable. You know, we're not just, you know, if things don't go well, it's not just whatever, is coach going to get on me? Um, you know, how is someone going to yell? You know, we're the first to, you know, to react, to, to try to want to be better um, so I think it's great to be able to be in a locker room to where you know first and foremost we hold ourselves accountable we look in the mirror first and then I think because of that us all kind of having that mentality um, you know we can lean on each other to pick each other up we can see someone and we know that they care enough to you know when when something happens um, that they're you know they're they're upset or they're they're mad themselves we know that so we don't have to try to I don't feel like we have to supplement it we have to try to you know manufacture and you know we we have that drive within which is a great locker room to be a part of so for us I feel like as, as a team, we just lean on each other to pick each other up and, and try to move towards that collective goal. Bryce, you don't have to kill the interviews anymore, man. You know, you already got drafted. You got the number one spot secured. It's cool. We love hearing it, but you already are on the roster as the number one overall pick. It continues to be great. I, I do want to go back-to-back sound bites just real quickly because here's Bryce continuing to tell you how he holds the Panthers accountable. The players on the roster hold themselves accountable. He also is discussing his comfort level from the day that he was drafted to where he is now. Here's more about what he's learned so far in the process. 
really it's just you know the comfortability I have and you know big thanks to that goes to my, my, my coaching staff who's you know who's you know just a lot of a lot more reps on tape a lot of great coaching you know a lot of understanding a lot of more time in the system and you know my teammates you know again embracing me um, you know pushing me holding me accountable you know when things go well um, we're able to talk about it see why and you know try to maintain that when things don't again being able to regroup talk about it you know we, we all take responsibility here it's a, it's a great group of of guys that you know again all look at the mirror first and then we all come together see what we could have done better and then we talk about it um so you know i think it's just being able to build time with this coaching staff with this team and and build a connection you know i think that would be i'd say that'd be the biggest he strikes me as a guy that you won't have to tell him much more than one time. He's going to get it the first time. Uh, he's going to make sure and work to do whatever's necessary to make sure everybody else gets it too. And it just all sounds like that this locker room is coming together, and a lot of it is due to his presence already, what he's bringing and what he's showing. Because don't get it twisted. You could come in and say all the right things and have the right demeanor. You can be as humble as you want to be. And when you step out on the field, you've seen interviews with athletes talking about how they kind of knew immediately if a guy could play or if he could not. He's showing and proving out there. And that's one of the things that's leading the charge with all of this is that guys are believing in him. Guys are seeing that, hey, this guy can play. This is the guy that's going to change our fortunes because this is the franchise that since Cam Newton has been gone, Teddy Bridgewater played decent football, but they've been looking for that guy. And it's one thing to have a guy, but then when you have that guy. And I think the belief is starting to run through this team that they have that guy. And so I think that's really changed the mood in this locker room. And guys are way more willing to be able to, as he talked about, holding each other accountable, having conversations and things like that. Because not only is he really good, but he's also down to listen, down to get better. Uh, and, and help his teammates, and he wants them to help him. And so I just think it all comes together uh, in a big old pie, and I think they got something good brewing in that locker room. Carolina Crazy wrote in, Wes, you nailed it with the Bryce Young impression with all the players saying, hey, Bryce was disappointing <laughs> Bri disappointing uh, in us, and so now we have to make yeah. sure we are back on track. Crazy a fan of the impression. Spence wrote in, <laughs> Walker, is Bryce Young 21 or 31? He sounds awesome. Unfortunately, he's only 5'10", so we're screwed. Right, that's what uh -huh. Keyshawn Johnson might tell you. Uh, Joey from Huntersville, he wrote in, Bryce sounds like a Backstreet Boy or Justin Timberlake. <laughs> that's the thing. It, it's The message sounds 31. The voice, it does not. It does not sound 31 right No, now. it does not. Um, Miles from South Park, he wrote in, I hope he's not Johnny Manziel on the NFL football field. Right, well, I, I, I don't, don't have to worry about that at all. Oh. Could you pick a more polar opposite comparison than Johnny Manziel? Yeah, that is a full-blown antonym right there, dude. I mean, wild. <laughs> Wright Thompson <laughs> wrote, who's one of the best sports writers probably ever, in my opinion. Wright Thompson wrote an excellent article on Johnny Manziel one time about just following him, how competitive he is, but also showing how fiery he is on the golf course, was never able to beat his dad, where they grew up on a golf course. His dad was this all-time golfer um, in the area. And how he just throw his clubs, he would break it. We saw how fiery Manziel was on the football field. I don't get any of that with Bryce Young. As long as he doesn't say we're going to wreck the league, I think we'll be okay. Yeah, draft me so we can wreck the league right. already. <laughs> That was not from Bryce. That was very different. 704-570-9610. I want to shrop it like it's hot, or I want to do the other job. Shroppy, you're dynamic. You get to choose whatever intro we got. Sticking with the shropping it like it's hot. All right, go ahead and shrop it on us. What you got? All righty. So, Michael Jordan's flu game sneakers 
were just auctioned off for $1.3 million. Um, I don't know. Yeah, those, you know, those seems like some some stanky shoes right there. Mm. But yeah, uh, <laughs> they're on the 25th anniversary of his game-winning shot uh, for the flu game. But yeah, how much would you guys, if you had all the money in the world, how much, you know, would you have paid $1.3 million for these shoes? Or? Absolutely not. I would not. I mean, because it's like once you get them, I guess the thrill of the chase is great, and I guess to be able to tell people that you have them. I mean, I get the the, the collector nostalgia of it, but when they're just sitting there and you're just looking at it after you pay one point three, you're like, what am would I you rather have the jersey or the shoes? Jersey. I always went jersey. jersey. Yeah. Because if you were to talk about another radio fodder, when you would ask what piece of sports memorabilia would you most like to have? Lots of listeners, lots of hosts would tell you they want memorabilia from the flu game. It's one of the first things that comes yeah. to mind. It's the jersey. And so if there was to be something worth over a mil that you just stated, it might be the shoes or the jersey from that game. Would I spend money on it? No. Even if I had it, which let me tell you, I don't. <laughs> I would not spend money on um, any of that apparel. But if this guy's got enough money, he might just like, hey, I don't know what to do. I'm just going to buy some more sports memorabilia. All right. That'll do it for shropping it like it's hot. Let's transition to the campus corner. Coming up next, they'll have lots to get to. Uh, the Clemson defense, it looks like it could be their most key factor. You can help us decide. Also, Wes is going to brag on Duke football a little bit more. It's all on Wes and Walker Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ. Raise a spoon to Grandma, who always took all the hungry cousins to McDonald's for McNuggets and the Play Play Slide. Have something sweet in her honor. Come to McDonald's and treat yourself to the Grandma McFlurry today. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. And participate in McDonald's for a limited time. Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love, hanging with friends who lift you up, and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between. Welcome back, folks. This is the Wesson Walker Show Sports Radio, 92.7 WFNZ. Hit up that text line, 704-570-90. 610 hit up those socials folks hit that follow button we got the content for you behind the scenes you want to see what's going on what we're eating what we're talking about all the good stuff on the wfnz instagram and twitter the weston walker twitter west brian underscore 72 on twitter and instagram at walker mail on twitter and at shroppy wfnz on twitter but now it is time to go to the campus kona ESPN has put out their 10 best college football defenses ahead of the 2023 season. And the Clemson Tigers come in at number five. They lose Miles Murphy. They lose Brian Bersie and a host of others. But Jeremiah Trotter Jr. and Barrett Carter return in the middle. They combine for 169 tackles in their first year as starters together. You also get Xavier Thomas back, who seems like he's been there for 15 years. 
Tyler Davis, same boat, and Rook Aroro. He might have the best last name in college football, Rook Aroro. Roro, your boat. Okay. <laughs> they had two freshmen, Peter Woods. Good God almighty. You talking about a kid that looks like a player. He goes about 310 pounds. It's rumored he runs 4'9", and he is a massive human being. He's got a back that you could eat dinner off of. You better believe it. But uh, this what is number, it? <laughs> yeah, right. he's got a back he's, wide enough to eat. He's got a table. Of. Yeah. Okay. The back is wow. huge. The back <laughs> is huge. I we saw got... him at the spring game, okay. and I was like, "Who is this kid right here?" And I was like, "Wow." I mean, you sit there and look at him sit on the bench, and I mean, his back is just massive. All right. So, so are like, you man. are you saying baby got back? Is what no, you're no, saying? no, not his back, wow. his buns, not his buns, his actual back. I know. That's back. what I was saying. This yeah. has Developed very quickly. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So. um but the thing I question about this defense is that secondary. We saw what Wake Forest did to them, and we saw what some other teams, because they finished six in the ACC in total defense. That will cause people to drop plates and break things in Clemson when you mentioned that right there. Uh, First-time coordinator Wes Goodwin, he had to uh, adjust a little bit to replace Brett Venables, but that secondary still needs some work. And so when you talk about this defense, is that the most key factor in your opinion? To a national title run in 2020. Is what the most key opinion? What were you asking? The, you most, the most key factor. Defense? Oh, their defense. Their defense. Okay. Defense. Yeah, sorry. Yes. Um, yeah. You go back to last year, they were fourth in all of college football with the most amount of sacks they had. They do lose Ed Rusher, Miles Murphy, as you mentioned, but they had 40 only behind, actually, a couple of ACC teams, by the way, Pittsburgh and Louisville. They posted 44 and 42, but I do trust that defense to reload constantly, and I do think even the offense, I don't know if I would say defense is the key, just because... I trust their defense. I think their defense is always going to be pretty solid. It's the offense that's taken a step back the last couple of seasons. So if we're looking for a swing factor, if I'm allowed to bring that in, then I would say the offense is the swing factor with just how good Cade Klubnik can be. Can he be a top-notch QB? Maybe not, I don't know, Deshaun Watson. Maybe not Trevor Lawrence. Maybe not at that level. But can he be a top-notch QB somewhere in the upper half? And especially with all the skill guys that are just kind of, eh, according to one Wes Bryant. Some of them are okay. <laughs> but I think it's the offense that you're going to have to really take notice of. And Garrett Riley being here, maybe if you believe in him, you think that Clemson is going to be back in college football playoff contention. Yeah, I think especially early on in the season, the defense is going to have to hold it down while the offense finds its bearings. We heard uh, defensive players in the spring talk about how complex this offense is that Garrett Riley is running, how fast, and all the different things that they do. And so I'm sure for the offensive players, a lot of these guys miss time during the spring due to injuries. They're going to need to get up to speed as far as their chemistry and different things like that when they're going against live competition. So I think it's definitely going to be a big factor because I think offensively they're not going to be as impressive to me as they've been in the past. So I think this defense is definitely going to have to come through for them if they want to have a shot at making it to a national title, uh, a national title game or the college football playoffs. The Duke Blue Devils don't look now coming off of a nine-win season. They come into this season with 18 starters returning, including my guy Riley Leonard. But they picked up eight recruits in the last 48 hours, according to 247. Their class of 2024 is rated 23rd in the country. If they can finish on this path, it will be the highest-rated recruiting class in Duke football history and so far the commits are headlined by safety Paul Menke Jr. who is a four-star and then they got a plethora 
of three-star recruits, including a couple of offensive tackles. But when you look at this right now, the job that Elko's doing, if he can follow this up again, and then these type of recruits that they're getting, do you feel like this is a win-lose? And I want to know from Duke fans, you can text in as well, 704-570-9610. Do you get excited when you hear news like this? Obviously you do, but is it a win-lose if they can't keep Mike Elko, or is there just a big worry there that one day this type of momentum is going to run out because you won't be able to keep him? Well, we've got one season with Mike Elko who greatly outperformed expectations with other guys for the most part. Now you have some guys, I guess, coming in from the transfer portal. You kept a lot of your players, which I think is key. But now comes the recruiting part about all of this, right? Yes. Can you win with the guys that are highly touted? Because if you'll remember, you don't have to go very far to get an example with Mac Brown, who has always had top-notch recruiting classes. Problem is, we haven't seen the wins come as much as Carolina fans would like. If you have among top five recruiting classes, as soon as you step on campus in Chapel Hill, then you would like for them to maybe have already won an ACC championship. You got close last year, but man, did you falter in the last month of the regular season. So it's kind of one of those things. Do you want talent? And then, okay, we're okay getting the talent. And then the coach can, we'll see what kind of expectations. We'll see what kind of win loss record they can post right now. We're going to get that answer because you do have as good a recruiting class as you've had quite some time in Durham. Now can the wins come along with that because you did it your first season, but now you have to have both things checked off recruiting and getting a lot more wins. And I don't know why you would doubt Mike Elko at this point. And the thing I think too, about schools like Duke and Wake and conferences like the ACC is that the coaching staff, they know they're not going to get the perennial four and five stars where, yes, you do have to coach them and develop them, but it's not going to take as much as the kid that's coming in that's a little bit more raw. That's that three-star, that two-star prospect. We've seen Wake Forest do that where they put out some first-round draft picks like an Aaron Curry and um, – oh, I forgot the DB's name – but uh, that they had that went in the first round as Alfonso well. Alfonso Smith? No, 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 no. A long time ago, uh, Wake No, no, Forest? no. He was uh, <laughs> the long, lanky kid that they had. But regardless – Programs like Duke, you get excited when they do get these type of players because you want to see the development because staffs like this, they milk every ounce that they can out of these players. I think they have great momentum. I do think I would be worried if I was a Duke fan maybe because you do get a little scared that, man, if we have another great year, Mike Elko is going to get a godfather offer that he can't refuse. But this is where the ACC has to step up and be like the SEC. If you want to keep your coaches, if you want to stay in contention, you got to pony up the bucks, pay him more than what any other school is going to come after him with, and you should be able to keep him. I think that's one key piece to this, and I think that, you know, when you just look at what he's bringing to the table, you have to hope he has a mentality like a Dave Clawson where he loves where he's at, he's going to stay because Dave Clawson, God knows how many offers that he's gotten to leave Winston-Salem, and he stayed right there. So I think there's some factors or Duke that could play on their side. It just depends on Coach Elko and his mentality. Yeah, we'll see what happens with Mike. I have no reason as to doubt him because after the first season, it's one of the more impressive debuts we've had over the course of one season in ACC football recent history. All right, so when we come back, the Panthers, they may just have that dynamic young receiver already on the roster, and you may be surprised at the data we've got to back that up. This is the Wesson Walker Show, Sports Radio 927. WFNZ. Raise a spoon to Grandma, who always took all the hungry cousins to McDonald's for McNuggets and the Play Play Slide. Have something sweet in her honor. 
Come to McDonald's and treat yourself to the Grandma McFlurry today. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. And participate in McDonald's for a limited time.